Let's get right back to the Word then, to the Word. We've been looking at some of the great renewals, spiritual renewals, revivals, awakenings as recorded in Scripture, seeking to determine principles that will guide us as we begin our second part of our, our first hundred years of ministry here. We're celebrating our 50th anniversary. We've done that. Now we're headed into a new era as far as ministry is concerned. We've already looked at two passages, one in the first and second chapters of the book of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, we saw that renewal started in the heart of one man. He had a concern for the people of God and for the purpose of God. Remember, he asked about how the Jews were doing and how the wall was coming on and so on in Jerusalem. He had a concern for the people of God. He had a concern for the purpose of God amongst his people. And when he found out that they were not doing too well in Jerusalem at the time and the wall was broken down and so on, the wall which was a picture, a symbol of God's protection of his people was down and the name of God amongst the Gentiles in that area was being uh, looked down upon because it appeared as though God had left his people. So Nehemiah got on his knees, he prayed, he fasted, he confessed his sins. Then we also looked at Second Chronicles, where again God, in answer to the prayer of Solomon, gives him a promise that when the people sin and God's judgment come upon them, that if they come to this temple where he will be manifesting himself, God will hear and answer their prayer. He will hear their prayer, he will forgive their sin, and he will heal their land. Today we want to look at another portion of the book of Nehemiah, we want to come to Nehemiah 8 right now, where another tremendous record is given concerning an awakening, a spiritual awakening, and the focus is on the Word of God. In doing some of the studies concerning awakenings in, uh, in the United States, for instance, uh, a remark was made, a comment was made that there was not a revival or an awakening in the United States that did not involve the Word of God. And some studies have shown that one of the primary books that was used to bring about renewal and revival was the book of Romans. And we're going to see in this chapter the importance of the word of God in renewing his people. Now, when you look at the book of Nehemiah, which is a tremendous book, by the way, you can divide the book into two main sections, chapters 1 through 7. We have the reconstruction of the wall. The emphasis here is upon the material, the physical. It's the building of the wall. A key phrase in the book is, let us arise and build. And Nehemiah shared the vision that he had for restoring the wall. The people were encouraged and they said, let us arise and build. The key action in that passage or in that section is, so they put their hands to the good work. They put their hands to the good work. Those are the central phrases and key action in that first part of the book. The wall was built in 52 days, 52 days. In my studies, I found one uh, contractor who he said that's what he is by, he's an engineer actually by profession. In studying the book of Nehemiah, he took some time to study the walls of Jerusalem, the size of it and what they did, and to see how long it would take to do the same thing in his day. This was in the 80s and the early 90s. He said, even with all the modern equipment, 
he believed that the quickest they would be able to put up that wall would be 352 days rather than 52 days. But Nehemiah and his people did it in 52 days. It was a miraculous work of God. And when we come to the last portion of Brooke, chapter 8 through 13, we come to the re-consecration of the people. Now the emphasis on the spiritual, the emphasis on the people. The key phrase is found in verse 1 of chapter 8. Bring out the book of the law. The people hadn't read the law. Now the law here does not mean the Ten Commandments only. It means the first five books that we have, what we call the Pentateuch. Bring out the book of the law. The people wanted to hear the word of God. The key actions in the book is they confess their sins and they worship their Lord. They confess their sins and they worship the Lord. The result was corporate consecration in chapter 9, which we will look at tonight. Now let's go to Nehemiah chapter 8 then to see what God has to tell us this morning in the few minutes that we have together. Now if you have your Bibles, please look at the Bible, although Look at your Bibles, although it will be on the screen. I want you to see the word in your Bible as we read it today. Restoration of the word is how I begin the first portion of this one. It says in verse 1, All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. Now let's look at that passage very carefully. Notice, it's all the people. They have a desire for the word. All the people. This was a united, this was a unified desire. The people were of one accord. They wanted to hear the word of God. So it says, they assembled with a unified purpose. A unified desire, a unified purpose. Beloved, this is necessary for a renewal of God amongst our midst as well. A unified desire to hear him speak to us and a unified purpose to glorify him in our lives. That's an important factor here. He goes on, he says, All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. Notice now, they ask Ezra the scribe. Notice Nehemiah now is in the background. Nehemiah was not a teacher of the word. Nehemiah was not a priest. He was not a Levite. He was an administrator. He was an organizer. He worked with the material. Now Ezra, one who has been appointed, we can say gifted by God to teach the word, it comes to the forefront. Ezra described to bring out the book of the law of Moses. They wanted to hear the word of God. Notice, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. Not just to read, but to obey. So this begins a period of re-instruction in the word, given for Israel to obey. Now, we're going through this quickly because of time this morning, but I want you to understand here, the word of God is not given to us just for information, just to satisfy our curiosity. The word of God was given to transform our lives, not to tickle our fancy, not to just give us uh, knowledge and information, but rather to obey. And you see that as it goes on. Verse 2. So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning 
until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Let's look at that closely as well. Notice it says, the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. The Bible, the word of God, is for people of all ages. Not just for adults. You've got to be able to understand it, of course. But it's for all people, men and women. That means single, husband, wives, and all the children old enough to understand. Now, this should speak to us as we come into another portion that talks about parents here. Sometimes we have people who like to bring their children to church and drop them off and go back. That's not what the Word of God encourages us to do. Bible, the Word of God, is for adults, as we see, as well as children. He says, notice now, uh, he faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon. To these folk who desired the Word and were united in a purpose to hear the Word, time was not a factor. Right now, Right now, at this moment, time is a factor. Right now, many of you are not listening. You're here, you're sitting, sitting down, but you're not listening. You're tuned out. Why? Because 12 o'clock is gone. And as far as you know, the Holy Spirit stops every Lord's Day at 12 o'clock. He does not go over time. So you are here, but you're not listening. You're going to see that in a moment here. So, but for these folk, time was not a factor. Why? Because they had a united desire to hear from God. The united desire. And they said from early morning until noon. Now notice it says, all the people listened closely to the book of the Lord. They didn't just sit. They listened. Now, it's important for you and for me when we sit under the word to listen. To hear what God is saying. But again, many people do not listen. Yes, they sit, but they don't listen. They hear, but they don't listen. They're thinking about other things. Their hearts and their minds are not open to the Spirit of God. Say, speak to me from this passage, from this word today. We have to have an intentionality when we come here to listen closely to the book of the law. Simply coming and sitting in the pew is not enough. You have to listen closely, carefully to the book of the law. And these folk did it for four to six hours. In fact, longer as we'll see. Why? Because they had a desire to hear from God. And because they probably went through their lunch hour, they were looking more for the meat of the word rather than a roast beef or whatever you eat for lunch. Now, another point here in this passage was that the word was given by those who were gifted or appointed to do it. Ezra described, it wasn't Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not called or gifted to this work. What Ezra described was, and you find that throughout the Bible, the word of God is to be taught by those who have been appointed, being gifted by God to do it. He stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. Verse 5 it says, Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they did what? They all rose to their feet. This shows reverence for the word of God. I remember some years ago when I was green here and trying to create an atmosphere of worship. You know, one of the things we did this. Whenever the word of God was read, we asked you to stand. And we asked the ushers not to bring anyone else in while the word of God was being read. 
I plan to reinstate that, at least to encourage you to do that, and our ushers not to bring anyone in while the Word of God is being read from. Not in this way of teaching, primarily, but when it's being read at the beginning. Reverence for the Word of God, respect for the Word of God. One of the things later on you're going to say, they stood in their place. They didn't move. They didn't go out. They didn't go in the bushes to the toilet. They stood in their place and they listened to the word. You know, when we, if we had time, and again, this message is geared primarily for our own folk. And we want to put it into practice practically. And one of the practical things we have to do here is be careful how we allow our children to get up and leave anytime they want. Saying they want to go to the restroom, they go to the bathroom. Let them go to the restroom before they come to the meeting. You see? And try as much as you possible, not just to get up when the Word of God is being taught or when having prayer or anything like that. We must show reverence for the Word of God. Now, I hope we can have time to come back to that as another message, but let me move on. Verse 6. I want you to see now response to the Word of God when it is listened to carefully. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, what? Amen, amen. Notice. This is one of the few places, if not the only place in Scripture, where you have amen repeated. Amen, amen. Now it means, so be it. That's a high five. Yes, Lord. That's what it is. Let it be so. This is the way we want it. It's a response to the Word of God. It is a response to worship. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. You will see that's the focus throughout the book of Nehemiah, focusing on the greatness of God, the omnipotence of God, the power of God the majesty of God, and the people responding to that when they become aware of who the God is that they worship. Amen. Amen. And it, they weren't allowed. All the people chanted. This wasn't just a whisper, you know. Amen. Amen. This was a hearty, energetic, excited, Amen, Lord. Amen. Amen. We cannot be afraid to worship the Lord in such a fashion. Notice, as they lifted their hands, then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord. This is a response now to hearing and listening to the Word of God. Worship is the response, because you realize it's coming from a great and majestic God. Now, we're going to see how the Word was taught. You're going to see that Ezra and the Levites were really expositors of the Word. The Levites, now they have these Hard, difficult name to pronounce, but look at them. The Levites, Jeshua, Dainai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbatiai, Hodei, Masai, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hannah, and Peliah. They instructed the people in the law. Notice now the next phrase. While everyone remained in their places. See that? No disturbance. While everyone remained in their places, this was done decently and in order. And these men instructed the people. They didn't shout at them, holler at them. They instructed the people in the word of God. And notice verse 8. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. I read an amazing statement by a young preacher that I really appreciate, Andy, what's his last name? His father is uh, 
Stanley. He said, is nowhere in the Bible that describes expository preaching. That's quite a statement, but he is made to be proven wrong by Nehemiah chapter 8. And I sent him a note to that effect. I haven't heard him back yet, but I sent a note to him. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. This is the process now of instructing in the word. They read from the book. They read from... That was the source of spiritual teaching. Not history, not philosophy, not psychology. It was the word of God, the law of God. This book that you have before you, that's what we are to teach. That's what we are to instruct you in, and that's what we desire to do everything. The book of the law, the word of God, that's our source for spiritual teaching. Amen? Notice it's gone. And they clearly explained the meaning. Notice that? Clearly explain the meaning. This is the New Living Translation. Clearly explained the meaning. And that's what we try to do. This was an expositor does. They tried to explain the meaning of the text that they're reading. Notice what, of what is being read. Helping the people understand. Notice each passage. That's verse by verse. That's chapter by chapter. We could say that's word by word if you want. The men who were called to instruct the people in the word, they did it with preciseness. They did it carefully. They wanted to help the people understand the passage. Notice verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people. Notice interpreting. That means to expose, to help you to understand. That's what we try to do in this ministry here, to try to help you to understand the Bible. But you have to listen carefully. Then they said, this is now Nehemiah jumps in here as well. He says, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. This is a response to the word. Conviction. Now, some scholars are a little divided as to whether these tears were tears of joy or tears of sadness. I believe both were involved. I believe the word of God brought conviction. But the people were so glad to have the word being taught to them again in a way that they could understand. They were convicted of their sin, as we'll see as we go on. But this is another response to the word. Not only worship, but conviction. But also joy. Verse 10. And Nehemiah continued... Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. So this kononia, this fellowship as well, that comes about as a result of hearing the word, listening to it, and now obeying the word. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. Notice, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isn't that a beautiful passage? But in the context, the joy comes from understanding the word of God. The joy comes from understanding the word of God. And they found strength in the word of God. They found spiritual strength. They weren't too concerned at this moment as they sat for these hours listening about eating physical food and getting physical strength, although that's important. They wanted spiritual strength and they were getting it from the word. They listened. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. I am convinced the reason why we don't have too many joyous Christians is because they don't know the word. 
They don't listen to the word of God. They don't read the word. They don't study the word. Verse 11. And the Levites too quieted the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people ran away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate with what? Great joy. All of this is a response to understanding the word of God. Worship, conviction, and joy, as well as fellowship with God's people. Here it is, verse 12. It gives us a very clear statement as the reason why they enjoyed this, why they had joy. Because they had what? Heard God's word and what? Understood it. And what was the result? Worship, conviction, joy, and fellowship. All because they heard the word, they understood the word, and they responded to what God was saying. My friends, the centrality, the centrality of God's word is vital for a growing people. To become true disciples of Jesus Christ, you must know the word of God. You must listen to the word of God. I was so encouraged by Ambrose's uh, words this morning because he gave in concise form what it is that we're hoping to do. He came in and he became a part of the um, discovery classes. As you know, the discovery classes was designed to lead us sequentially to spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. So were the many churches. And he became a part of those things. He became involved in the ministry as well. So in other words, all of the elements, all of the methods, the means that we're hoping to use to bring a person to uh, maturity and to be a true disciple was utilized by Ambrose. And he now, for me, is a tremendous example of what could be result if all of God's people do the same thing. The process leads to a product. The product is exemplified in Ambrose's life. But you must follow the process. You must follow the process. All right? Now, here's something I sort of inserted. Parents became a Warner members. Why do I say that? On 13, verse 13 says, on October the 9th, the family leaders of all the people, family leaders as moms and dads and so on, together with the priests and Levites, these are the people who instruct you in the word, met with Ezra the sky to do what? To go over the law in greater detail. In other words, the parents, the fathers, the leaders, they were concerned about getting the word of God so they could lead their children in a proper way. So what did they do? They weren't satisfied just listening to them in this congregation meeting. They met with Ezra the priest, and they wanted to study the word in greater depth. In other words, they wanted to be workmen who were not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. They became intensely involved in studying of the word. That's why I say here, parents, you're missing out. If you think that you are doing a job with your children just by bringing them to Sunday school and then leaving them here and go your way. No, no, no. The word of God is for you. If you want to bring up your children in the way they should go, you need to be instructed in the word of God. This actually is a beautiful picture also of discipling, of what a disciple maker does. And we are all disciples, and all true disciples are disciple makers. And this is one way we're doing it, getting it into the Word and teaching people the Word of God. This is going to be a focus of ours later on. No, to go over the law in greater detail. 
I call this deep study of the word, looking into the meat of the word. And again, unfortunately, we don't have too many of our people who have this kind of a desire to get into the word. I'm just wondering right now, how many of you here, some of you have been saved for 15, 20 years. How, do you, how many of you know how to study the word of God? How many of you have a real a method for studying the word of God? We had courses, classes here, right here, on how to study the word of God. Only a few people turned up, you see. And one of the reasons, I believe, for the spiritual weakness of God's people is the lack of knowing the word of God. And if you don't know the word of God, you don't know how to live. You begin using your own um, methods. Let's go on. Did I skip ahead to verse 16? So the people went out and cut branches and used them to build shelter on the roofs of their houses in the courtyards, in the courtyards of God's temple, or in the squares just inside the water gate and the Ephraim gate. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival. Remember I said that one of the important words in the book of Nehemiah is this preposition, so. It's an action word. And here it's used twice. Because they read the word, the other chapters, the other verses told us that, the word said that they should do this feast. They should obey this. And so that's exactly what they do. They heard the word. So they went out to obey it. Response to the word should always be obedience to the word. They went out to do what the word said. And they were all filled with great joy. Why? Because they were responding in obedience to the word of God. The word of God says, do this. They did it. And they were filled with great joy. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, since the time they entered into the promised land. This was a day of rejoicing. Why? Because they heard the word, they understood the word, and they obeyed the word. The word of God is central in this coming about. Verse 18. Ezra read from the book of the law of God on each of the seven days. So there was a continuation in the word of God. It isn't, wasn't just a one-time thing. It wasn't one big rally, one big evangelistic event, one big one-night thing, and everybody came all excited and everything ended. No, this went on and on. And he read from the book of the law of God on each of the seven days of the festival. Then on the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly as required by law. We're going to look at this solemn assembly tonight and see how this uh, shows this need for the centrality of the word of God. So when you look at this passage, and I'm hurrying here just to close out right now, because I knew some of you are struggling to listen. Here's the, here's the thing as you put all of this together. Spiritual renewal and revival came about because the people of God were united in purpose. They had a desire for the word of God devoted time to hearing the word. They listened carefully to the word when it was taught by gifted teachers. Parents studied the word more deeply. They discovered new truths. You see, that's it. When you look, I, I didn't show you verse 15, I think it was, when they said that as they were studied, they discovered this truth. And that's what happens when you study the word. You discover new truth. The reason why many Christians don't advance in their Christian life is because they do not discover new truths from the Word of God. They only go on what they've heard from teachers or what they learned long ago. But rather than finding new truth, discovering new truth. They discovered new truths as they studied the Word. And as a result, they obeyed the Word. 
And the result was they were filled with joy and they understood and obeyed the word. This shows the centrality for the word of God. So let me ask you as we close. What is your response to the word that you have heard this morning? Is it one of joy? Is it one of worship? The great God who gave us the word? Is it one of conviction? Is the spirit of God saying to you something concerning unity? Concerning confession of sin? Concerning your way of worship? Concerning... Um, uh, your study of the Word of God, concerning the way you listen to the Word of God, and you put more priority on trying to get to the hotel before everybody else, to get to the restaurant, before everybody get the best seat, you put that above listening to the Word of God? Maybe the Spirit of God is... What about, is there a need for confession in your life or anything? Well, you make that confession, not to me, make it to God, because that's the one that you sinned against. Consecration. Is there a, is the Spirit of God speaking to you about the need to consecrate your life to Christ in a new way? To commit yourself to studying the Bible in a new way? To commit yourself to listening to the preaching and teaching of the Word? And not only here, but in Sunday school and elsewhere in a new way. The Spirit of God is the one who is responsible for applying the truth of God to your heart and to your life. And the Scripture very clearly says, His Word will not return void to accomplish the purpose to which he sends it forth. And I believe that God is speaking to your heart. So let's take a few moments, just a few moments now as we close. And if God has spoken to you in any fashion, just speak to him right now in your heart. He'll hear you. He'll listen to you. If there is an expression of joy and praise, make that right now. Worship. If he's convicted you of any sin in your life and there needs to be confession, make that right now. If there's a need for commitment, commitment or consecration to God in a new way, make that right now to him as we close out. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that illuminates us so we can understand your word. Thank you for your spirit who empowers us to obey your word. We pray that the word of God might continue to give us joy, might lead us into a closer relationship with you, with one another, and it cause us always to be people who worship you because we understand who you are, and in the spite of your greatness and the fact that you are a majestic God, yet your grace reaches out to us, and you redeem us, and you put us into relationship with you, and causes us to be involved in the greatest plan on the face of this earth, and that is to glorify the God, to glorify the triune God by proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen.